Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who never bought Anne Hathaway as being fat. I'm Hannah Leach. Or ugly in any way. <laughs> and, and I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2006's The Devil Wears Prada. Hence, yes, bitch, hence my red are. lip. Oh my god, I should have worn a red lip. Yeah, because there's a really good red lip in this movie. Miranda Priestley is the editor-in-chief of Runway. So you don't read Runway? No. Not to mention a legend. And before today, you'd never heard of me? No. You work a year for her, and you can get a job at any magazine you want. You have no style or sense of fashion. I, I... No, no. Wasn't a question. I should have just casually gotten some full bangs just for mm-hmm. this recording. Yeah. Or I could have gotten those clip-on bangs. Yeah, you should have gotten the clip-ons, like <laughs> the thick clip-ons. I really should have. That's kind of what yes, I was trying I to really do should've. with this, but it's not really the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're looking stylish. We're both wearing all black you know, chic or whatever. This is literally like the crappiest shirt I own, but it's black, so whatever. It's really warm. Uh, I record in our bedroom and we only have one AC unit in our apartment and it's right next to me and I turn it off while we record. So had to wear something uh, with breathability for my own sanity. So Anyway, let's get into the facts. Well, I guess actually before we get into the facts, we have a very special guest for the second half of the episode today, our new friend Emma. Audrey, would you like to do a little intro to Emma? Yeah, so basically I watch a lot of YouTube, I subscribe to a lot of people, and because of because I watch content that is pretty much hitting every niche of this podcast, Uh, my recommended has a lot of people that make similar content. So I'm always kind of finding new people um, who like the same things and talk about the same things. So I watched a lot of her videos and I had a lot of fun watching them. And she talks about a lot of the same stuff that we do. So I DM'd her and she responded really fast. And she was like, I'm in. So we're excited to talk to her later. Yes. Um, but, you know, in our new tradition of having guests on Sleepover, we don't make our guests sit there during the first half of the episode and go, mm-hmm, that's right, when we're listing the facts. So we are mercifully having them come on just in the second half, not in the first half. So let's get to the facts. So The Devil Wears Prada was released on June twenty second, 2006. It was directed by David Frankel, who... Uh, has directed sort of a lot of movies, but again, I just cherry pick things that stand out to me. Um, he directed Marley and Me, Collateral Beauty, The Morning Show, and Sex in the City. So like some episodes of The Morning Show and some episodes of Sex in the City. The movie was produced by Wendy Feinerman, who out of her movies that she's produced, I selected that she has worked on Drumline and P.S. I Love You. The screenplay of this movie was written by Aileen Brosh McKenna, um, she is the screenwriter behind Laws of Attraction, 27 Dresses, We Bought a Zoo, 
the 2014 Annie and the recent Disney movie Cruella. She's also the co-creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which totally makes sense to me. All of this fits together. Yes. <laughs> I'm waiting for Audrey to go, yeah. Okay. It does. And then if Emma was here, they would go, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so... The screenplay was written by Aileen and then the novel, there's like a source novel that the screenplay is based on. And it was a novel by the same name by Lauren Weisberger. And we'll get into more of the drama surrounding this book, uh, the deeper into the episode we get. But Lauren had actually been an assistant to Anna Wintour, who's the very famous uh, editor in chief of Vogue. It's Vogue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. For a second, I'm like, wait, am I wrong? Who, uh, obviously, Miranda Priestly is clearly modeled after. Yes. So, really, like, the book coming out and then the movie coming out, like, caused a big stir for Anna Wintour. But at the same time, it kind of made her way more of an icon than she already was. So, it's like, how mad can you really be? Yeah. And additionally, the costumes for this movie are by Patricia Field, who truly has done it all but recently she was the costume designer for emily in paris controversial but whatever younger um she was the costume designer for ugly betty which of course she was the costume designer for ugly betty because ugly betty is like the same thing as the devil wears prada sort of but it's more about the girl being ugly than the boss being over the top but whatever that's a whole other thing it's like the camp version yes (laughs) yeah um, but most importantly, Patricia Field was the costume designer for Sex in the City. So that the cultural impact of the fashion on Sex in the City it cannot be overstated. So Patricia Field has done a lot for our genre, just in the sense of like the trickle down effect of how the fashion design and the costume design worked in that show. I mean, you know, it was everything. Will you read us this plot synopsis? Here is the plot synopsis. A smart but sensible new graduate lands a job as an assistant to Miranda Priestley, the demanding editor-in-chief of a high-fashion magazine. Smart but sensible. Mutually exclusive terms, normally. Yeah, the, the, it's not smart, but smart people are sensible. Yes. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but... <laughs> Generally speaking. And then as for the taglines, there are three. Yeah, there's three listed. The first one, which I think is the most common one and that I've seen the most, is hell on heels instead of hell on wheels, obviously. Um, I like that one. I think that's a good one. Um, the second one is meet Andy Sachs. A million girls would kill to have her job. She's not one of them. <laughs> and then the third one That's is good. high fashion, low cunning, and the boss from hell. I have no idea what low cunning I, means. I don't know either. I guess I don't know. I don't get like, is that. Is that low as in... Is that like minimal or like low, like dirty down, no good and rotten? I have no clue. That does not make sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but keep in keep this in your brain about the taglines because I have some information later on about the marketing of this movie and how effective it was that I thought was really interesting. But before we get to that, 
we have to talk about the cast, um, which I feel like a lot of these people kind of speak for themselves just as who they are. But of course, we are going to go through all of the actors that are in the significant parts, at least. So first of all, we have Anne Hathaway as Andy Sachs, the smart but sensible new graduate. And she is known, especially to us, well, we've done already three episodes on movies that she's been in, and that was Princess Diaries, Princess Diaries 2, and Ella Enchanted. But in addition to those, she also was in the Les Mis uh, musical movie, uh, she also was in The Dark Knight Rises, Rachel Getting Married, Love and Other Drugs, Brokeback Mountain, and the really expensive Tim Burton Disney Alice in Wonderlands. So Anne Hathaway, I feel like, is absolutely one of those actresses that just has been there for us throughout our childhoods. And um, I know that there was like a moment where hating on Anne Hathaway was really chic. Like, I don't really know why. Like, people were just like sort of shitting on her for like being overly earnest. Do you remember that? No, I don't think I saw that stuff. It was a moment. It was a moment. And I kind of feel like this movie, like, I feel like the Devil Wears Prada is where a lot of that kind of sentiment comes from because I think Andy's kind of hateable. But that's a conversation for later on in the episode. Next up, we have Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly. Um, Meryl Streep is Meryl Streep. She's been in basically everything, but this is the list I compiled. Out of Africa, August Osage County, The Devil Wears Prada, obviously, Mamma Mia, Sophie's Choice, Big Little Lies, Florence Foster Jenkins, Doubt, Julie and Julia, featuring Amy Adams of our previous episode, A Series of Unfortunate Events, Angels in America, Bridges of Madison County, Death Becomes Her, I Truly Could Go On, I don't need to say anything. She's won a bazillion awards. She's that bitch. We all know this. Also, all those movies are so good. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of them. Next up, we have Adrian Grenier. I'm going to pronounce it that way as Nate. Um, he is in, well, he was in the show Entourage and also Drive Me Crazy, but mostly he was on Entourage, like a bazillion episodes of Entourage. Next up, we have Emily Blunt as Emily, um, known for Edge of Tomorrow, The Justin Bureau, A Quiet Place 1 and 2, The Girl on the Train, and the bad movie adaptation of Into the Woods. I hate to say it, but it's true. Oh, Meryl Streep is also in that. Damn it. Uh, don't don't even mention that's that. That's sad. It's it's really not. That, that's I not know, what but she was in it. Yeah, she but it's it. not her credit. It's really not her credit. Like, that's not yeah, the movie not. to list her But for. it could have been. No, it's not no. at all. But I felt like I had to list it for Emily Blunt. Yeah. You know? She has like, less. It, it was, like, big enough to list it. Yeah. Yeah. And then next up, we have Stanley Tucci as Nigel. Um, he is in The Lovely Bones. I guess he's also in Julie and Julia. So I don't know why this movie is the movie that's, like, haunting us. Uh, but it is. He was also in Big Night, Spotlight, Feud, Bet and Joan, The Hunger Games, Easy A, Made in Manhattan, and I could keep going forever and ever because he has been in a million really good movies. And then uh, Simon something is Christian. I didn't even want to list him because he annoys me so much. And also there are so many other actors with lots of credits that I was like, goodbye, I'm not listing him. But do you know anything that he's in, Audrey? Nope. And I do not care. 
Yeah, I do not care either. Okay, great. So because I wanted to instead prioritize Tracy Thomas as Lily, because she originated the role of Joanne on Broadway and in the movie. So she deserves her flowers. She also um, played Annie's fake mom, I guess, in the 2014 Annie. So that's that. Um, And she was also in Looper with Emily Blunt. So there's a lot of like interconnected uh, things here with the actors having worked together before. Um, And she's been in a ton of TV. Like it looks like she's been working consistently forever, but I just didn't recognize any of the shows that she's on. So I didn't include them, but um, she really knows what she is doing. So good for her. Now that we got through the cast, Audrey, would you like to take us into some of these numbers? Yes. So the budget for The Devil Wears Prada was $35 million. Uh, the box office opening weekend made $27,537,244. That's great. Um, I feel like that's probably yes. better than they could have really hoped for. Um, for it being a movie that's based on a book... Obviously, they have their stars, but, you know, clearly the marketing did its job here. Um, the overall worldwide gross is $326,705,902. That's insane. Um, and then, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's nuts. As far as the critic opinions go, there is a 75% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critic consensus is... A rare film that surpasses the quality of its source novel. The devil, the de- this devil, is a witty expose <laughs> of New York's fashion scene with Meryl Streep in top form and Anne Hathaway more than holding her own. All right. Um, I, I yeah, think... Yeah, pretty reasonable. I actually think that is true. I don't know how much you researched about the book, but I think that is true that the writing of the movie kind of improved upon the writing of the book like it actually was like better than the book which is rare that doesn't usually happen yeah um right and then there was a 76 percent audience score um some man named eric b (laughs) said no no these are these are uh these are audience reviews but you'll like this one okay but he's still some man named eric b (laughs) okay you're right in the audience okay he said surprised i didn't care for it much as i heard it's popular with girls and gays i found there weren't sufficient moments of levity to break up the constant stress and harshness yeah i i could see that i actually kind of i kind of agree in in a way but that's also like not yeah. what it's about so maybe not right um and then what what are these they're just other audience reviews that i thought were funny oh okay so we have a few other comments i can read these if you want okay yeah so there were just a couple of other small comments that i thought were funny one of them was a hella gay classic similar to the likes of mean girls one person logged on to rottentomatoes.com just to write the devil wears zara and leave it there that was all he said, they said. And someone wrote, exceeds expectations. So, you know, good for them. Um, and the one thing I wanted to say, which is going back to the marketing thing, was that, like, 
I guess that the marketing for this movie was like really, really impactful. Like the image, like when you think of this movie, you think of like the white background with like the devil pitchfork stiletto, like ever, like they made that as like a stand-in poster, but I guess that it tested so well and people were so into that like visual that they ended up just keeping it for the overall movie poster. And it's like on the DVD cover and it's on like the re-released book cover and they just like had a big success with that. Um, But another thing that was really interesting too is that graphic was part of this process that the creative team went through where basically they like really, really, really wanted to actually shoot in Paris for the fashion week scenes. Um, And they had to go to Fox and like beg for more money with like a sizzle reel of like the stuff that they had already shot. And um, I guess that just like the sizzle reel on its own was convincing enough to get a little bit of money added onto the budget to be able to go to Paris. But apparently Meryl Streep, every, all of the Meryl Streep stuff in Paris is green screen because Fox thought it would be too expensive to send Meryl to Paris, which yeah. I can kind of imagine because she probably has like really extreme contract demands. Um. And the other thing that seemed really chaotic to me is that they were only in Paris. The entire crew was only in Paris for two days. So they were like cramming that shit in as much as humanly possible. Yeah. I mean, they Not there's very, 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 situation. very little of the shots that are actually in Paris. Like it's basically just B-roll of Paris. And yeah. there's, a, there's a few things, like a few mini scenes, but nothing, nothing involving Meryl, obviously. And yeah. mostly it's just Anne. Um, just walking around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so one of the things I found in this Wikipedia article, extremely thorough about this movie, was that basically when they were filming the movie, they had planned to do all this stuff on location. Like they wanted to shoot at um, like the MoMA and at Bryant Park. And they were having all these issues securing the locations and sort of like the unspoken vibe of the whole situation is that Anna Wintour was so like threatened by this book having been released and this movie coming out that she was like, like the vibe was that she would blacklist people. So like what I got from Wikipedia was the limited budget caused problems with some locations. The crew could not get permission to shoot at the Museum of Modern Art or Bryant Park, which they also attribute to fear of Wintour. The co-op boards at many apartment buildings also refused to let the production team use them for Miranda's, which the director believed was also because of Anna Wintour's influence. So the ghost, uh, the looming ghost of Anna Wintour was like hovering over this whole thing, even though she never like explicitly tried to prevent anything from happening. So as far as that's we just know, interesting. right. As far as we know. And then the other thing I found that I thought was interesting was that Anna Wintour attended the New York premiere of the movie and she was wearing Prada. Ha ha ha. Because she's the devil wearing Prada. Her friend said that Anna Wintour was like, oh, this movie's going to go straight to DVD. Uh, like she wasn't into it. So Anna Wintour wasn't impressed by the movie. Long story short. I mean, why? It would be weird if she was. Yes, it would be weird if she was. I totally agree. So, Audrey, what are the things you remember about this movie from childhood? And when do you think was the last time that you watched it? Um, well, I didn't actually know we were going to do this movie until like a week or two ago. And but I actually saw it on TV randomly like a month ago. <laughs> oh, so nice. I didn't really have to 
it's very fresh in my mind, um, obviously. And as far as when I first watched it, I think I actually watched it at my first sleepover, my first friend sleepover <gasps> ever. I'm pretty really? sure. Really? Yeah. Where were like where were you? Uh, Gretchen's. Wow, Gretchen's. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, I'm like 99% sure. Wow. How about my yeah, things? What's yours? I, my, my things that I remember. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie, um, but I remember that my friend Chris, who is listening to this, really well, most likely listening to this, uh, really loved this movie. At least I think that he did. I have it's very like associated with him in my mind. Um, this is the same person who rolled around on the ground during Twilight and smacked his head on the on the chair and got like a giant bump on his head. Just very enthusiastic for uh, gay and gay adjacent movies, and this movie definitely falls into that category. Um, I feel like. I probably maybe saw this movie on TV the first time I saw it because it seems like the sort of thing that you could just like catch on TV pretty easily. Um, and I remember all of the fat jokes. That mm -hmm. was like the biggest thing that I kind of had in my brain going into it. But now that I've seen it again, I don't know if I would really call them fat jokes per se i actually think it's kind of an interesting thing in the movie so i'm looking forward to talking about that more um but yeah this movie was like a gay movie that wasn't explicitly gay but like the gays loved it and like you had stanley tucci in there and he was like a reasonable if not fairy godmother like gay that was fun to see when you were like a kid in ohio yeah and he's just um, a very captivating actor in general. So, yes, I, I really I like everything he's in pretty much. He's just good. So we are now going to take our little break before we have Emma come and join us um, again. Bad news this week. This movie is not streamable, at least as of now. So we both had to pay four U.S. dollars to rent it on Apple TV. Sometimes you got to just make those sacrifices in life. Yeah, or just like watch television nonstop until you see that it's on. That, that <laughs> yeah, could also exactly. work. Those are your options. Yeah. Those are the options. Look up the TV okay. guide. <laughs> Bust it out. <laughs> and um, go watch the movie and then meet us back here and we will debrief on what we have seen. Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. 
Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, everyone, we are back and it is time to unpack our findings with um, The Devil Wears Prada from 2006. But before we get into that, our guest is with us, Emma McGuigan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We're so happy to have you. Um, Do you want to just like share a little bit with everyone about like who you are, what you do, what the vibes are? Yeah, sure. So I'm Emma. I live in the UK, but I grew up in America and was very just like so enamored with like pop culture from quite a young age. And I have a YouTube channel that basically just kind of focuses on like queer pop culture, everything from like Taylor Swift, the Gilmore Girls, which you might be saying, is that queer pop culture? (laughs) It is. It totally is. (laughs) Um, And Like, basically, when you guys approached me about the podcast, I was like, let me see all the, like, movies that they do. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, all of my favorite movies. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Thank you. So when we approached you about doing an episode together, there were, like, a couple movies that were thrown around, but we ended up emerging with The Devil Wears Prada. And so I'm curious, and I'm sure Audrey is, (laughs) too, curious, um... (laughs) When was the first time you can remember seeing this movie and why has it remained a favorite of yours? So I'm so excited that we are doing this movie. I saw The Devil Wears Prada in theaters. I remember my mom took me to see it. It was very much like a mother-daughter night. And um, Mm. I would say, honestly, The Devil Wears Prada is still in like my top five, like holy grail movies, like shockingly. (laughs) I just absolutely love it. I remember seeing it and being like, oh my God, I mean, 2006, I was like 11. So I was like reading like the click books. I was like so into like, I don't know how to explain it, but just like the very like, not fashion industry because I was like tragic, (laughs) but I was like, wow, they're so glamorous. And also like a young queer woman, I was like, oh my God, they're just so glamorous. That must be why I think they're so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and it was like, from my memory, the first movie I ever saw Meryl Streep in, So, mm-hmm. which I feel like is quite a privileged position for me because now I've always been like, okay, well, that's Miranda Priestly and like every other film. She really set the bar high. Yeah, um, totally. I just absolutely love it. I love Anne Hathaway. I think The Princess Diaries had come out before then, so I think I knew who she was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess they were still trying to convince us that, like, she's ugly. Um, (laughs) Like, the second movie in a row. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get Um, into that for sure. Yeah, we are definitely getting into that. Okay, good. And I would watch it, like, no joke, my little sister, she's 10 years younger than me, um, we would watch it, like, the DVD in my room. She would, like, stay in with me for years and years and years. She'd stay in with me every night and be like, can you watch The Devil Wears Prada? Uh So it's also probably, like, my number one most watched movie, like, tied with Twilight ever. So I am really, really excited. Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. I know, rightly or wrongly. (laughs) Wait, so just out of curiosity, how old are you? I'm 25. Okay, same. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, cool. Except my birthday's tomorrow and I'm about to be 26. <laughs> oh, happy early birthday. You're a Leo? 
Yes, thank you. Ah, I'm a Scorpio. All my best friends are <gasps> yes. Leos. Yes. Okay, Ooh. I've had many best friend Scorpios, and my long term boyfriend is a Scorpio, so we have the vibes. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Audrey's a Cancer. Yes. Love it. Yeah. We're got- um. Go ahead, Hannah. We're just under two years apart, but her birthday is June 26th and mine is July 26th. We're, you know that we're sisters. Wow. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, our last names are literally like right there. So you would know. <laughs> we but, could be cousins. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's true. That is true. Um. Okay. So now that we have these facts established, um, I hadn't seen this movie in like several years until I rewatched it yesterday. So... Audrey has her notes. I have my notes here. Um, and we're just going to go through our topics and just see what comes up. So let's. we like to start with the good things. So what particular things upon your last viewing stood out to you as very good? And Emma, you are invited to go first. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, so I did rewatch it today um, yes. just because I was like, perfect excuse. Um, and I wrote down... <laughs> The opening sequence to The Devil Wears Prada, I think, like, literally just, like, changed who I am. I have a playlist that I play every morning for, it's called, like, Opening Scene, and it starts with KT Tunstall, Suddenly I See, because it's, like, all these gorgeous women getting ready, and, like, I always loved it because in terms of, like, the power dynamic throughout the movie, all these women are, like, leaving their, like, sleeping gross boyfriends in bed, (laughs) and they're, like, going out, like, dressed, snatched, like amazing um and I just I just feel like it's so 2006 movies like feel good like like just pop culture kind of in a nutshell I love the Mm -hmm. opening sequence of it it like goes down in history for me um I wrote down I love Emily Blunt being like the only comedic timing in the whole movie I was like (laughs) she really served her purpose there everything else is like quite serious and also like at times like kind of sad but then she's just there to like really provide like all the comedic timing and she does it so well she really shines even down to like when she gets hit by the car and it just shows like the like rainbow of Hermes scarves in the air I was like that's really magical And it has some of the, like, rightly or wrongly classic tropes of the time, which is, like, makeover montage, the, like, gay best friend, mm-hmm. which, like, whole thing, but that, yeah, like, we'll only really has, yeah. <laughs> has no other purpose rather than to, like, help someone else along, which even happens again at the end of the film, which right still not over, but... Right. Cool. Audrey, what are yours? Um, well, I agree. Everything you said, I pretty much also had written down in some way. Um, I really like and appreciate the editing style throughout, um, throughout the movie because it's very consistent, but it's very specific and that's kind of rare. Like a lot of times you'll, you'll see movies of this sort where like they'll have like obviously whenever people think of this movie they'll think of the scene where Anne Hathaway's changing outfits as she's walking behind all the different things mm-hmm. like the cars and the poles and whatever else she's walking behind um and like people always think of that scene but if you kind of look at that editing style it also applies throughout the movie like it just feels very tonally consistent through the editing mm-hmm. and I I like that um I appreciated that, like, I can actually relate to this movie now in some way. Like, I can actually... Yeah. You know? I can relate to it in some way. Um, 
I thought it was funny that, of course, she's from Ohio. Like, of course, Andrea. I wrote that down, too. I wrote that down, too. I literally wrote down, bro, Ohio, LOL. <laughs> it's it's any, literally any, like, small, like, like new girl in the big city type. Any, like, frumpy bitch has to be from Ohio. Has like, to be from every Ohio. Time. Every single well, time. Have you, have you watched Smash? Okay. okay. The TV show? <laughs> Weirdly, I haven't. Have you? Audrey? Okay, no, and I don't know why. I think I was just, ex- <laughs> like, people talk about Smash all the time, and I've heard most of the songs, too. Like, I, I'm i very aware of it, but I've never watched it. Um, I think I was too, like, preoccupied with Glee to, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I heard that. it's really gay. Yeah, but, well, actually, and also, I rewatched it very recently, as in, like, in the last month. Also, like, incredibly homophobic. Like, there are gay characters, <laughs> yeah. and then there are the homophobic characters. But, like, it always uh, gets... And I'm like, this just would not read now. It's from, like, 2012, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, shock, really shocking stuff. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> um, but actually, thinking back, she's from Iowa, not oh, Ohio. Okay. So that was my mistake. But close. Yeah. Close. Close, though. Honestly, those are interchangeable, <laughs> like, 100%. <laughs> Wait, Audrey, you were like, I can relate to this now, and then just, like, moved on and didn't even, like, expand upon that? Like, why can you relate to it? Um, I mean, we'll, I think we would get into it later. That's kind of why I blew over it, but I've okay. had... so we're putting a pin in it. Yeah, like, I've had jobs that were similar, similar in the way that it makes you feel like in the way that Andrea feels is like the same way that I felt in various um, like entertainment jobs in the past where it's like you just can't do anything right, but you don't know why. It's like you're trying, but (laughs) you're trying really hard, but you can't impress them. Like when you do something right, it's just monotone. Mm -hmm. It's when you do something Mm -hmm. wrong that it's like your head's on the platter. So I feel that. Like, <laughs> I'm imagining the head on the platter and there's like parsley and like tomatoes, like a half cut up, like surrounding yeah. the head on the platter. Yeah. What other good things did you have? Um, the insane eyeshadow that they put on Emily Blunt is like, <laughs> it's like horrific, but it's also amazing. So I, it's something to appreciate, but like... I don't know what it is, but they've got they've got this like whole lid sit- one color situation going on yes. for her. Like yes. there's one where it's just blue, like it's just completely blue, and it goes all the way like here on the inner corner. Like it goes like she was giving like, you editorial. It did not matter the circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I do think she kind of pulled it off, but it's just. It's just really a lot. Um, and there was a lot of, like, smoky eyes things going on. Like, really intense smoky eyes going on. Like, a tight line. Yes. Like, eyeliner on the waterline um, mm-hmm. type makeup, which I like. But it's not really in style anymore, which... I think Such it's coming back, zeitgeist. though. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, um... I... I'm not, these are all really, really very specific things. Okay. So the opening, I really, I wrote down that I liked it too. And I also thought it was sort of, this comes up all the time, but it was very much 
it was what you said, Emma, and I'm glad that you like the way you put it. I liked, but at the same time, it's also like uh, Andy's so different from the other girls type of thing, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like the whole point of the movie. But that I guess that's not even necessarily good, but that just stood out to me. Um, and I really liked how it's so 2006 that the that like the hardest task in the movie is Harry Potter related like I just found that to be so good like it dates the movie but like in a good way not in a bad way I think um and I also thought it was really underratedly funny where in the last scene Meryl's like yeah um we have to move Snoop Dogg to my table because my husband won't be attending. I'm like, why is no one noticing that this is like so funny that it's Snoop Dogg of all people. So that just amused me. And then everything else was pretty much stuff that you both already said. Um, But I guess one thing I wrote, so this is kind of moving into the bad, but it's kind of a conversation that I'm interested in having in general. It's like before I um, watched the movie, the thing that I remembered the most from when I was a kid watching it is that it's like aggressively fat phobic. And so going into it, I was like, oh, this is going to be upsetting. But the weird thing, at least like from my perspective, was that they never like I feel like maybe when you're a kid, it would be different. But at least to me now, I was like, oh, the the fat phobia is like gaslighting to keep everyone who works there like submissive to what they're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're all absolutely miserable. They're not like, this is my amazing life. They're like, I'm about to pass the fuck out at all times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Like, when I was a kid, like, I'm trying to remember whether that made, like, a big impact on me. And, like, I guess it did because I remember it so well. But I feel like looking at it now, it didn't bother me as much as I expected it to because they are miserable as you said yeah yeah but i think too like when you're watching it as a kid um it's really easy to see that and it kind of falls into the category of like glamorizing a type of lifestyle like yeah it's yeah you're you i don't know like you don't think it's particularly negative that they like as a kid now it's like no like I know what it's like to I know what it's like to like work so much that you don't know who you are like I know that vibe mm-hmm. and so I can see that they're going through that and understand that that's not sustainable but like as a kid I'm just yeah. like well I don't know like they're all pretty I don't know <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah but then I also do remember as a kid like throughout the movie they hint towards like oh, um, Andy is quote-unquote fat. Um, They hint, like, are you really going to eat that? Oh, you're size six, that's a new size, whatever. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe they're all just being, like, weird. And then there is that point when Miranda says, oh, I thought I'd take a chance on the smart fat girl. And she outrightly says, like, you're fat. And I remember, like, as a kid being like, oh, my God, so that's a fact. Like, that body type is fat. I definitely remember right. like it also like gaslights the audience. I was like, yeah. oh my god, if she's fat, yeah. like here I am 11 like and I've just got my first bra <laughs> because I'm overweight, not because I'm going through puberty. <laughs> um, yeah. and I was like, right, okay, so this is me now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so 
at the point the I wrote down um when they're like in the cafeteria line and it, like exactly what you just said it's like oh yeah size six is the new 14 I'm like haha bitch I'm a 14 <laughs> like currently and but like I wasn't bothered at all it's just sort of like wow I'm glad that I didn't watch this that many times <laughs> when I was younger because like I feel like this would have had me fucked up in a more significant way if I had watched it more because one thing that is 100% true about me that we've really discovered on Sleepover. And I've known this, but like, I was like a really intense sponge of media when I was a kid and I'm still kind of like that. And so I'm really glad that I didn't, um, like watch this movie too much because yeah because like you can't watch it and have the perspective to understand that this is a very specific culture like their work culture is very specific and that's an industry that functions in in this sort of way and then it's exaggerated even Mm -hmm. on top of it so yeah right yeah it can be dangerous for sure yeah defo i mean probably going into a little bit of like the parts that are worse, but Mm -hmm. then later on when she has that celebratory moment that she's gone down a size as well. And just, it's just, it is constantly there throughout the film. Yeah. All of its amazing parts, the undertone of the fat phobia is like so loud. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, and then the other thing too is like, and I guess this is also veering into like the problematic shit, but like the, it's like a, I mean, except for, like, with the exception of the one guy, um, Holt, who's not white, everyone else is, like, aggressively white. Yeah. And they don't even acknowledge the existence mm-hmm. of anyone other than white people. But that makes sense because, again, like, even to this day, the fashion industry is just, like, skinny white people, like, calling the shots. So, like, it is what it is. And, like, that's that was, like, the point of the movie is that it was supposed to kind of, like, put that on blast. But, like, it was 2006, so it wasn't, like, as... It didn't go as far as it could have in that yeah. department. But that's, I mean, it is what it is, you know? (laughs) Well, I hate to be the person that, like, brings The Office into it. But, like, (laughs) did you ever see that episode of The Office? It's like a cold open where Michael watches, like, 10 minutes of The Devil Wears Prada every night. And so he starts, like, throwing his bag and is, like, kind of Pam. And then at the end, he's like, I finally finished it last night. I didn't realize that... um, that Miranda was the villain. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot what point I was making with that. I forgot what you just said, but. But it, yes, I know what you're talking about. And I love that. I love that episode. <laughs> um, yeah, we could just go into what's worse now. Yeah. Well, let me, oh, I have two little things really fast the first one is that i really i know this might be controversial but i felt like most of andy's outfits were like kind of bad because it was 2006 is that controversial like the fashionable outfits i was sort of like why is there a belt on that well that's just 2006 (laughs) that's just 2006 fashion so but i actually like them i think i like pretty much all of her outfits like Pretty much all of them, especially though the um, when she's in Paris, the black low, you know, the black dress with the red yeah. lip and the up, you know, that. Yeah, stunning. Um, 
But I like that haircut that was like the straight hair with the layers and the blunt bangs. That was like such a vibe then. And I I actually really like it. (laughs) I actually do. Yeah. No, for real. Like you saying that took the words out of my mouth. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, God, maybe I should get bangs. (laughs) She looks so good. (laughs) But it was such a like time capsule of 2006. You're so right. Yeah, it it has that vibe 100 percent. And that's again, it's like the time period is so crucial to the movie even working that it's like I'm not mad about it being dated because like I feel like even that sort of um, like toxic fashion culture, like I'm 100 percent sure it still exists, but it's like way less in vogue now than it used to be. Like even with like Victoria's Secret desperately scrambling to rebrand and shit like that, like it's such a thing right now. And then my last bad thing was that I really thought you mean good thing? that um no your last bad thing <laughs> it's a bad thing I'm about oh, to say okay. and it is the last one I have okay. so yes um, um is that I thought that Christian was really creepy he is <laughs> yeah like Big as time. a person like he's creepy yeah when I would watch that younger, see when she leaves the, I don't know what it is, but that ball and he's like, do you want to come in and have well, like one more drink and I'll introduce you to all these people. I was always like, why didn't she go like screw her boyfriend? Like, why didn't she go? But then when I watched it today, I was like, yeah, but just before he offered her that huge opportunity, he was like, I wish you didn't have a boyfriend so I could just slime on you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, actually it gave me pause. I was like, okay, so <laughs> that was... That was a predatory situation, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just also, like, his scarf. And he just thinks he's so good. He thinks he's so cool. I'm like, get out of here. This is too much for me. Like, at the first party, when he's got, like, his jacket and his scarf. It's it's a bit much. Yeah, it's not cute. What can I say? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, what else do we have? Audrey, what are your bad things, I guess? Or Emma, what are you? We already kind of got into the bad things. Yeah, we're already in there. But can I just say, this is very niche, um, very detail-oriented. But in the beginning sequence, you see where Andrea and her boyfriend live. They live on the corner of Orchard and Broom. These people are rich. I was like, like you can't yeah. like the, that is an area in Manhattan that is not cheap. So I was Oh really? Yeah. yeah it's it's like it's like it's like millionaires only borderline. Yeah. Like yeah. But then the way they have her coming out of the front door, she's like like a, with like all these corner shops and stuff, and it's meant to look bad compared to like the yeah. other people, isn't yeah. it? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, disappointed but not surprised. Yeah, I mean, th- this happens a lot in um, in uh, New York located films where like okay. they pick because they'll they'll what they'll do is they'll pick like um, Lower Manhattan, so like the East Village or like the Lower East Side or something like that where it looks grungier but it is not mm-hmm. actually grungier. <laughs> like it yeah. looks that way but it, the price point is still very high. Obviously it was lower in 05 than it is now but it was still not cheap. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting. I mean they do have job like they both 
are college edge well i don't know if the boyfriend is college educated but he's working as like a chef in a fancy restaurant or something and then you know he probably is yeah. i mean how many times does she mention going to northwestern they like beat you over the head with it yeah like, he probably is yeah um i do remember there is that one part where he talks about so annoyingly like he does just really get under my skin where he talks about studying abroad and learning about potatoes for a whole semester yeah so he's definitely had some education um and for some reason he really thought that was like interesting enough to tell the whole table yeah oh that's just my personal grudge yes you know what i just realized they probably definitely have their parents pitching in or paying entirely because you know how when andrea's at dinner with her dad and her dad gives her money because he goes he literally says so you don't fall behind on rent Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow wow That's so funny. So I mean, that's that is such a type, though. That's yeah. like most people living in Manhattan, honestly. Yeah, it's such a type. Teens. And you know what? I, that is a type of person that you don't often see. Like you don't often see that <laughs> aspect like portrayed on screen because people like to pretend that they don't have their parents paying for shit. You know? Yeah. So the only yeah. other time I can think of is girls. Yeah, that's what I was girls. thinking too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, girls is like another good example of that. So I think that you can watch this movie and kind of this the way that the way that I wrote this note is just workplace abuse viewed as a good thing. <laughs> yeah, um, be, like that you are somehow growing. You know, you are improving and you have this thick skin and like your work ethic is so flawless because you are able to undergo actual workplace like abuse like Mm -hmm. people and it actually kind of reminded me of like the divide in mindset between like some like gen x and baby boomers and then like Mm -hmm. um like our generations like millennials gen z you know and um how they're like you are whining you're feeling bad for yourself um Mm -hmm. you should be grateful that you have the opportunity to be abused by this woman like um (laughs) and the truth is it's not and it shouldn't be that way ever and like but that type of workplace environment is a hundred percent still existing even though Mm -hmm. um it is more exposed now especially in entertainment like and in film there are less of those types of abuser bosses around than there were like Weinstein Scott Rudin blah 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 um but it's totally still there I don't know why it's like the frivolous industries that have like the most toxic work environments i mean do you know what i mean by that like why is it the stuff that literally doesn't need to exist like do do we need art yes i would argue we do need art to like to live but if the apocalypse happened right now you don't we don't need to keep editing this shit (laughs) like (laughs) you know yeah well and it might be partially just because it's like there's so many people like there's so many people that grow up wanting to do it. It's like so many people's dream that like you can like convince people that they need to like 
go through hell to get what they want. Yeah, it's like making which, up a way to earn yeah. something that literally mm-hmm. cannot be earned. There is no reason as to why this person deserves to direct a movie more than this person. Like, there's no quantifiable way. So they come up with mm-hmm. all these, like, evil structures and, like, loop, like loopholes and things to try to, like, earn your way to things. I just don't. It's it's not fun. It's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Emma, have you ever had an abusive boss? Not to just put you on the spot, but have you ever had like a really bad work experience? Yeah, I'm like still fully employed. <laughs> I have like a corporate job, so Okay. <laughs> you, so we um, can't you decide there. Got it. No 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 no. My my actually my corporate job now is is fine, but I have definitely yeah. um I think abusive power comes everywhere, like not to take it too deep, but um, yeah, definitely. And I think exactly what you touched on earlier is that it really like reinforces like the now has been rebranded as like hustle or grind culture Uh and it still exists today. But instead, it's like you need multiple streams of income. You need to do this. If you're not monetizing every single hobby, then Mm -hmm. how do you how do you expect to be rich? How do you expect Mm -hmm. to buy a house one day? You know, it's just it's still here today, I think. Um, in terms totally. of like toxic bosses, I don't even think it always just comes out and it's just gatekeeping in like all forms, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think and what you're saying about like the hustle culture thing, like mm-hmm. I was like so that person for a while and it burnt me out so hard, especially when the pandemic hit. And I was like, yeah. like, I feel like the journey I've been on over the past year and a half is very much like it's like anti-capitalism and also just like seeing that like everything is fake like literally everything is just trying to sell you stuff like especially like I've on and off dieted like my whole life and I've like lost a shitload of weight before and then uh like gained it all back and it literally took me until like April of 2020 to realize that like Weight Watchers is a business that Mm -hmm. that is built off of your failing (laughs) Yeah, and like it's all like literally everything is just trying to sell you shit and at the end of the Devil Wars Prada when she was like everyone wants to be us I was like I don't think that's true anymore like I feel like people are fed yeah. up with it yeah but which then is great I feel like, yeah totally but then yeah. also it like gaslights you because it gives like mixed messages because at some points they're like oh here's to jobs that pay the bills which is like very me like I work to live I don't live to work yeah and yeah. also when um Andy is like well if she was a man no one would say this and I'm like oh, period Andy it yes. that's so true that you ver like you verbalized that really well the like push and pull that I feel watching the movie because I'm like on one side of mm-hmm. me is like everybody's just mad because she's successful her boyfriend's mad because he can't stand that she's like gaining success she's she's like leveling up but at the same time it's like apart from him and apart from all these people who have opinions on what she's doing is it good for her no wow it's not Mm -hmm. good for her mind you know um Mm -hmm. but like she's definitely experiencing a life that she never would have otherwise experienced. There's things to learn from that and like fun, obviously there's fun aspects to it too. And like glamorous, luxurious parts, but she, I don't, I don't know. I think people are really quick to just like shit on the boyfriend and be like, she's a girl boss or something. But um, (laughs) it's like, it's like everybody's, 
everybody's right in one in their own way. I think yeah that like there's room to like see everybody's perspective and be like they just need to do what's right for them. And like mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think no, I think I think that's a really good point because everyone's always like the boyfriend sucks, but I thought the exact same thing. I was like is she miserable or not? Like like <laughs> is he still a baby? absolutely yes but that's a separate thing yeah like yeah when he, when he was like i was cracking up when she was like oh like when she misses his birthday party and then the scene like the end of the scene where she was like oh do you like my dress I know. do you like my necklaces and he's like no <laughs> like i was just like this is unreal and then she like shows off like the corset and is like what about this and he's like oh yeah it's just like too much like it's just such a stereotype it was just so funny but yeah. that part was really amusing he's sending me. mixed yeah, messages completely. too like he's sending so many yeah. mixed messages and it yeah. is kind of realistic the way that everybody's like like supporting the person but also like dishing out all this passive aggression at the same time like mm-hmm. yeah. it's like kind of realistic like that um yeah i mean yeah i totally agree with you there is like that classic scene where i do think all of her friends are being assholes exactly like andy said like she just gave you the new mark jacobs bag and you're trying to like <laughs> steal her sidekick like that like i always like that yeah. like gives me anxiety every time <laughs> but yeah can I say as well, I remember the very first time I watched the movie, like, I don't think I'd ever had, like, a true, like, face crack, like, gag in a movie ever until yeah. Miranda Priestley was, when she was, like, in the limo at the end, and she was like, well, I would never do what you yeah. did, and she goes, but you already did to Emily, and I remember being like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is really good. face crack. Yes. <laughs> face crack of the century. It's very well written, and it is true. She's right. She did. She chose to get ahead. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you have to at some point come to terms with with that. Are you okay with stepping on other people to get to where you want to go? And it's not, you know, from Andrea's perspective, it's like, well, I didn't have a choice. Like, you prompted me to do this. And, mm. and that in itself is, like, that messes with my head so much. Like, if I was in her situation, <laughs> I would be, I would be losing my mind. Like, I'd be like, no, because I don't yeah. perceive, I don't perceive requests from my boss as a choice. So. Mm. Also, yeah. And she had everything to lose in that situation, right? Like, she was just on shit money. She's a second assistant being like manipulated by arguably like the most powerful person in her industry yeah and it's like such an unequal power balance like it there she really did have no choice I think yeah um but Mm -hmm. I did notice today when I watched it because I was like just like paying extra special attention that Emily like it shows at the very beginning her like on her computer and like her mac background is like the arc de triomphe I was like (laughs) oh my gosh it meant everything to her oh my god yeah that is true and they did do a good job of like making sure the audience knows how much she cares about it and so right there it that is what kind of gives validity to the like it's a choice for Andrea but yeah I, I don't really think it's a choice I don't see how that's a choice like yeah 
Yeah, I also just really, really loved, like I had never noticed this until this time around, even though I'm pretty sure it's like extremely obvious, but like how in the beginning she's like, yeah, you're the second assistant. So you're gonna be running around doing errands and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, I'm in charge of her schedule. And then like by the end, like the rug has been totally pulled out from under her and she's like scrambling around town, like with like before she gets hit by the car, like that whole moment is just so sad. And you know what? I have had, a boss who like um gets like deep personal satisfaction by being at the center of interpersonal drama of his employees yeah and um it's just like the like the unnecessary mind games like the unnecessary energy being put into manipulating people that work for you like is just such a thing and i feel like this movie does such a good job of showing how like yeah miranda Priestley is like one of the most high-powered people in the industry but like still finds the time you know like yeah, <laughs> yeah. like how so true well because a lot of times when you like when you actually uncover like what a ceo or whatever uh you know somebody in her type of position does every day it's like nothing it's like kind of nothing in a way, you know, like yeah. they have the time. It's basically a job about relationships, like a job like that. Yeah. It's all you do is just like uh, curate relationships and stuff. And so, of course, she knows exactly how to play the game. She knows she's got the time for all the manipulation. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and also, my last thing is that the way that Andrea leaves this job is so wrong to the point where I don't think she could ever get a recommendation. I don't think she could ever, ever, ever yeah. get a recommendation. Um, she's in another country and she throws like, her how is she gonna get back? in the <laughs> fountain. Um, I, uh, when she does that, it's not even cute to me. I'm like, no, you're actually nuts. Like, you're actually insane. Yeah. <laughs> and also so disrespectful. Yeah. Like, it's almost like when I watch reality TV from, like, 2008, 2009, and I see them with the single-use plastic water bottles, I'm like, this is all your fault. <laughs> like, she threw that phone into the fountain. I'm like, I wouldn't do that now. Yeah. I just wouldn't if that was me. <laughs> Think about yeah. the environment. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. I think it's meant to be like that's what Miranda would have done which is like why she gives her the recommendation in the end like that she did Mm. kind of go out in like a blaze of glory but I agree it is shitty yeah Yeah. and it's not what a good employee like a good like not even employee Mm. a good person just a good a good person wouldn't do that like a good trustworthy reasonable person yeah, yeah, because honestly, the people pleaser inside of me, even when Miranda turned around and was like looking, I'd be like for Andy. I, yeah, I was like, oh my god, is she okay? Like, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and she looked so hurt and lost. She like turned around to say something to her, and I'm like, what if it was like an inside joke? Like, <laughs> she yeah. was so let down by her. <laughs> yeah, I think there is a part of you that's like, well, they could have had this like legendary duo or something i don't know yeah oh wow her successor yeah I but was then like, that's it get right the hell out. yeah she's like kind of like the ghost of christmas future or whatever when she sees yes. her alone and she's like yes. okay so if i do this it's gonna be another like marriage ruined another disappointment and snoop dogg is probably still gonna be kicking and like <laughs> side my table too yeah 
Which, who's to say, maybe she was like, Snoop Dogg will be my rebound. Like, sit him at the table. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fic we need. The Devil Wears Prada fic. Where it's her angling for Snoop Dogg. Oh, my God. Okay, so... I guess the last thing we haven't really talked about if I don't know if there really is anything to say specifically, but there is the element of we kind of already said it, but like Stanley Tucci just being there to be shat on kind of slash be the gay best friend. Um, do we have any remarks other than just that it happened? I will say as well, it almost felt like, you know, her other friend that had like quite like an ambiguous sexuality. I was Mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, so was it like too much to have two gays? But he knows absolutely everything about runway. And even when her friend um, is like, I have someone for you to meet. It's also still like so like gender ambiguous. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know, it was just strange to me. I'd never really noticed it before. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, there were apparently a, a lot more gays in the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I have... Are you talking about the Andy's friend? The guy yeah. who knows all yeah, the stuff? One, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the whole time I was like, is that a gay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, definitely is a gay, but, like, they wouldn't just go there. And I was like, yeah. well, like, what's the problem? And, which, exactly. I mean, I, kept, yeah. I almost kind of appreciate it the the ambiguity i know that the reason at the time it's not i'm like show me the gay card i need it's not the same way that we think of it now like now if if a character like that was on screen now like written today i'd be like oh that's like kind of tasteful like they're not like Like putting yeah like they're not like putting him on blast but at that time it's like no we just don't want to have We just don't want to yeah. have, like, more than one really clearly gay yeah. character. But it, it's funny how that kind of comes around. Like, it's like, watching yeah, it that's now, interesting. it's like, oh, like, I like how that's not the, his main character trait. Like, he can just exist as <laughs> yeah. a person. Like, that's nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, yeah so but true. Yeah, but for the, <laughs> for the time you want it explicit that's a good point though i feel like now it's like so many of the gay characters you see on tv are like ryan murphyified like beyond like yeah. redemption <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know this is retroactively subtle i guess um but wait okay, emma so. just side question have you watched generation on hbo i've never heard of that oh okay no okay i was gonna say because that, that show is pretty new there's one season of it but it's a good example of a show where there's a range of like sexualities and like gender expressions and stuff but it's not like the only thing that you know about them like, like it's yeah, kind of like, like borderline fetishizing yeah like i think they did a pretty good job so if, if any of you out there are looking for a show that has the writing style of that this one character in the Devil Wears Prada. That that's a good one. But it is about they are in high school, so there's the high school aspect. But yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of coming around a little bit more, especially with high school age stuff. Like Euphoria is pretty progressive for like all of its like supposed faults. Yeah, um, and also the new Gossip Girl is definitely more. Like, I feel like the kids who are in high school now are getting more media of just like, oh, you know, they they like this person or Layla, they like this person. And no, they're not going to have like a heartbreaking, traumatic coming out scene or like yes. attack or anything like that. So, I mean, I am hopeful that 
things are moving in a better direction. Yeah. I mean, there's like a there's like an avalanche of that kind of content right now. It feels mm. like it's like it's almost too much. I'm like, OK, all right, I get it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, I think I think we're pretty much there as far as making sexuality not be the character's main plot line. I think we're, we've yeah. pretty much achieved that, at least for the young adult genre. I did have one thing to say about something that made it dated. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. I think that the main thing that dates it for me is that it's pretty inconceivable that they work within this industry and there's no mention of influencers to me. Like that's uh -huh. really what dates it. I, but even like at that time, there was like Olivia Palermo. So I found it quite mm -hmm. strange. And even like the mention of celebrity was like quite with disdain. Like, yeah. oh, has Gwyneth lost that weight yet? We won't have her on until she does. Whereas like now you have like Emma Chamberlain is the face of Louis Vuitton. Yeah. And if there was a Devil Wears Prada in 2021, I think it would be completely all about that. And that was like the one thing besides maybe mm -hmm. like outfits and beauty trends and stuff like that, that I was like, okay, that does really date it. Because to me, it's totally unrealistic now to think about Vogue without, or runway yeah. without influencers. Right. And it's also like the power of those magazines is so lessened because of mm -hmm. the existence of influencers now. It's yeah. like the magazines are at the whims of the influencers to a certain totally. extent. Yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. power trying, is interesting. so flipped. Yeah. 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 And they're trying to tell us that like they're embracing them because you see like, like I said, Emma Chamberlain, you see Charlie D'Amelio, even um, Jenny from Blackpink is like the face of Chanel, which is like K-pop, which would yeah. not have happened back then not yet, um, right. but yeah you're so right the power is like so with them now which is pretty cool mm -hmm. and also like so encouraging for like the longevity of women's careers in that industry where they don't just That's like true. peak at 35 now they are like making contacts um hopefully mm -hmm. i'm obviously not working in the industry but yeah i do feel like it's encouraging yeah totally um so i guess with uh everything that we've said and in conclusion do we think this movie is good still and do we think that it is worth watching still i i can go first because i feel like i'll probably have the least amount to say um i really think that it is still a great movie i think that it's very worth watching if not just for like the delight of the performances i just think like 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 think of all the topics that this has sparked for us <laughs> like it's more than I even expected it to be. Um, and I think like if you're into like popular media, it's kind of the perfect time capsule of like 2006, how things have changed, like what the height of like magazines power, especially in terms of like advertising and like influencing fashion in general, like what that was like. And it was a cultural moment also with like Ugly Betty and like other shows that were sort of the same thing. Um, I feel like it could go in the in the archives in the film archives for its year so i approve worth watching still good yeah i think maybe like i agree with everything you said maybe for young kids it's not i don't think it's necessary for children um especially now <laughs> like just don't plant that into their mind just you don't need to you you don't need to plant anything if if the weight stuff and all of the more like harmful um, comments weren't there, the movie wouldn't be as good as it is. It wouldn't like portray the 
mm-hmm. toxic environment the way it does. I just don't think kids need to see it. But if you're over the age of like, mm, I don't even know what's a safe age. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. even know. But I don't know. I just think there's too much room for like kids like Hannah who are like sponges, like gonna <laughs> suck up all the like nuances of things. I just don't think it is, uh, I don't think it's worth it. Maybe, but for, for kids. M- yeah, for kids. But for yeah. literally anybody else, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Emma, what do you think? I think, well, this is, like, quite a comfort movie for me. So I think I probably have, like, a fair bias, to like, to say yeah. the least. So I do think <laughs> it's still good. <laughs> I think it's still worthwhile watching. I do appreciate your concerns, actually, for kids, to be fair. Um, but I also, if I ever had kids, which probably won't be pushing out any suckers, but <laughs> I would be like, I can't wait till they're, like, 11 years old and we can have, like, a mom and daughter night. It's, like... Well, to like put it bluntly, it's like perfect sleepover cinema, you know, with like popcorn and like matching like pink pajamas um, with your friends. Yeah. Um, I think it's like one of those moments, you know, which is, it is. I mean, to be fair, a lot no, of the movies totally that you cover is. for the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would love to do that too. I'd just be like, okay, but don't listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll skip this part. <laughs> yeah. Or hopefully, yeah. you know, it just goes right over their heads. Cause like it definitely yeah. went right. Re- it definitely went right over my head. But if you have the kind of like the seed of, of thoughts about yourself or like your body or totally. whatever, if they're already planted, mm-hmm. then stuff like this will just like make them expand. And I, I don't, I just don't like that for children, but um, yeah, yeah, I do hear you big time. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I had a lucky escape. I mean, like I said, I was like, oh yeah, so <laughs> she's fat, I'm fat, like, but also I'm like, this is my favorite movie. <laughs> <It's just good>. <laughs> <laughs> and like at all times when I'm making like a grilled cheese, I'll be like, there's like eight bucks of Jarlsberg in that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, just yeah, made yeah. me who I am. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, my God. Okay, so, Emma, where can our listeners find you? So, you can find me on YouTube if you search in Emma McGuigan. Um, I'm also on Instagram under the same handle. And yeah, those are really my main ones. I do tweet. Um, I don't really use TikTok. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say Instagram and YouTube would be my number ones. Yeah, subscribe on YouTube. (laughs) Go ahead, Hina. Sorry. (laughs) All of Emma's links will be in the episode description. So now, as we like to say, you are now legally obligated to go follow Emma. Uh, If you listen (laughs) to this episode, now you must go do it. Um, And Emma, thank you so much for joining us and for rewatching so freshly and having so much to say. It was very delightful to hear your takes, especially as a big fan of the movie. Oh, oh my god, I'm overjoyed you guys asked me. This was so fun. And I've like never been on a podcast before. So thank yes. you so much. First You're podcast. so welcome. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, everyone out there, we will be back in a week with another new episode for you. Um and if you haven't signed up for Sleepover Cinema Trivia yet, Zoom Trivia, you still can. The link is in our bio on Instagram. Um, it's going to be hosted by us and Darren Christie of Under the Tree with DXC, who we love. Um, and you should join us because then we can all hang out virtually and it'll be good. Um, but until then, have a good week and we will see you next time. Bye. 
Thanks, guys. <laughs> you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search Sleepover Cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at Sleepover Cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.